slap, Revelation chapter 19. And uh, that's going to be, I'm going to be, it's a little bit of a topical sermon, so we're going to be jumping around a little bit, but that'll be our, our jumping off point. And uh, I really, um, in fact, get your note sheet out. There's a, you can, t- you can take notes. Uh, I really encourage you to take notes. If there's ever anything in a sermon sticks out to you, it's more of a learning tool than anything, but you kind of remember more of what you write down, right? So if something sticks out to you, write it down. Good way to remember it. Uh, and then there, you should have a second sheet. Uh, it's at the top of it's labeled membership. And so this is kind of my so what this morning uh, that I'll conclude with. But I, I want to challenge you uh, to be a member of a local church, and, and in particular, this local church, all right, if this is where God is bringing you. And, and uh, I think membership is important, and so that's going to be our conclusion this morning. I want you to have a heightened view of the church and uh, it seems that that's getting more difficult to do and to be in our culture. And, and I think there's some reasons for that. I'll address a couple in a minute. But, uh, but you know, I, I, was, I heard the story of a pastor that was doing a children's sermon. I, don't, I know we don't do them here. At we did it during Christmas Eve. How many of y'all were here during Christmas Eve, right? And we bring the children up. It's fantastic. Pastor Andrew does a great job. He always, I'm still contemplating the idea that that Jesus chose his mother, right? I've still been thinking about it. It's been rolling around my head. I never thought about that before. And so, uh, and he always does a great job of giving me something to think about. He does a great job with the kids. So a lot of churches do that. They do a children's sermon. And so uh, the story's told of one particular children's sermon where the pastor brings the kids up and he's doing the children's sermon. And he wanted to illustrate that the church is not a building or an organization, but it, it's the people. And so he'd had the children turn around and he, he said, turn around. And he had them look at the audience and he said, tell me what you see. And so he was hoping for the answer uh, that the, the children saw the people, and he was going to build his little children's sermon off that. Instead, what he got is one of the kids turns around, and he looks at the people, and he says, well, they're bored. And, uh, you know, and so the pastor had to figure that one out. So, and, and you guys know the polls, right? Why don't people come to church? You know, why don't they come to church? They don't come to church because uh, hypocrite, full of hypocrites, church is boring, church asks for money, right? Um, I think the reason people don't come to church is that Christians don't love the church as they should. And I think if Christians had a high view of the church of Jesus Christ, then it would be contagious to the rest of the world. The problem is is that those that call themselves Christians have a very low view of the church. Now, I think the church in America is, is... it's got two main crises that are going on, and, and, and one is that the church in America is growing more liberal doctrinally, and it may have started out, you know, 100 years ago a little more slippery, and now it's to the point where most churches in America are calling sin righteousness, and therefore, there's no gospel to stand on. I always say, if we, call, if we get rid of sin, there was no reason for Jesus to die. And so, uh, we see this slippery slope. And the more churches that call sin righteousness, the more I've been calling them out from the pulpit because I think they cease to be a church. Like, go be something else. Just stop calling yourself a church because you're, you're really uh, dishonoring what the Bible calls the very bride of Christ. I think that's, that's problem number one in the church. I think problem number two in the Church of America is there is way too much sexual sin in the pastoral leadership of the church in America. And we need to be raising up 
godly men to be pastors in our churches who are not addicted to sexual sin. And we've got these, these skeletons in the closet of our church leadership that therefore it undermines the church, the, 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 the people's ability to trust their pastors and their elders because there's, there's sin, habitual sin in the camp. And, and I think those are the two problems facing the, the American church. But I want you, I want to encourage you this morning to have a heightened view of the church. Now, here's a couple assumptions that I have, okay? And so I'm not going to park here, uh, but, but I, my first assumption is that you, you're here this morning as a believer, as a Christian. So, so if you're investigating Christianity this morning, you're, you're investigating the claims of Christ, uh, please know that the, you kind of get... I don't want you to disengage from the sermon, but I want you to sit back. I'm preaching at the them this morning, all right? You know, those people that call themselves Christians. I'm, I'm assuming this morning you're a believer, that, that you understand you can't be a part of the church of Jesus Christ until you have first repented of your sin, confessed your sin, acknowledged your sin, repented of your sin, and acknowledged, like the song that Joel just taught us, uh, that I need a Savior. I need the great physician to save me from the penalty of my sin. And the only way I can be saved from the penalty of my sin is not by being good, but by the person, believing in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life. He died in my stead, bore God's wrath for sin, and then rose miraculously and bodily rose again from the grave. That helps us and reminds us that one, he's the Messiah, and two, that we have the hope of eternal life. And that by believing in him, we're credited righteousness. And that's how we get into heaven. That's how we have a relationship with God. So um, that's my first assumption. You understand that teaching and that you can't be a part of the church. And by the way, the church, the word church literally means to be called out, that you're called out as the people of God to be followers of Christ, and that you're called out now as believers to spread the name and fame of Christ to the ends of the earth until Jesus returns. So that's my assumption number one. You understand, to be a part of the church, you have to be a Christian. Assumption number two is that I'm assuming you know that in order to be a part Part of church universal, okay, so we live in a, in a, in a culture where a lot of, um, a, a lot of people are Christian, say, I'm Christian, but I kind of do my church thing like online, or I'm kind of, and there's so many resources online, which are wonderful, and I think they should supplement our spiritual growth, but I don't think they should supplant our commitment to a local church. And so, you know, I think that I, I'm assuming that you understand that, yes, we're all, all believers. I'm a part of church universal, meaning, man, I am connected to my brothers and sisters in Christ in China and Africa and South America and, and even here in our country that we have this universal commitment to Christ and to one another as the church, but I understand that it's, that it's lived out by committing myself to a local church. And the reason this is important is it moves us from a nebulous commitment to actual people in our lives, right? People that sometimes hurt our feelings and people that sometimes annoy us and people that sometimes help us and some people sometimes encourage us and, 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 and that it's lived out by committing yourself to a local group of people. And so I'm going to end today by encouraging you, if you're a member, we do annual membership renewals to re renew your membership. If you're, if you're not yet a member of Coastal Community Church and you're a Christian, I want to encourage you to be a member of Coastal Community Church because here's the deal. You ready for this? If Christians don't love the church, who will? It's not the government. The government, listen, I, I, man, I. I 
It really wasn't intended to be humorous. I could see why you would think that. I'm concerned that in our lifetime, the U.S. government is going to put pressure on conservative churches. I'm talking about conservative churches. I'm not talking about liberal churches. I'm talking about conservative churches that take particular stances on gender, marriage, biblical stances on marriage, that, that we're going to feel pressure. It's coming. I think it's going to come in our lifetime. And so, so if we as believers don't love Jesus' Bible-believing conservative churches, the government's not going to do it for us. The culture's not going to do it for us. And so I want you to leave here today with a heightened view of the church. And the reason I want to raise your commitment and your view of the church is because our God has a high view of the church. If we love God, we love His church. God has a high view of the church. Revelation chapter 19 is where I had you start this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's at the back of the Bible, so it should be easy to find. Revelation 19, verse 6. The Apostle John gets this little glimpse into heaven, and it's this, it's this glimpse where our faith becomes sight, where the people of God come face to face with their Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't wait for that day, right? And, and, and it's painted in this picture in Revelation 19. John says, then I heard, I, I want you to just, if you could just kind of picture this. Like, I want you to picture this in your mind, this multitude of believers that come face to face with their Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, there's that old song that I kind of grew up with, you know, I can only imagine, like, what would I do? And here we get this little picture. John says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of of mighty peals of thunder. And what was happening? It's the people. They're crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him glory. And why? For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Isn't that awesome? I mean, here's this picture. What's the picture? The picture is when the people of God finally see their Savior face to face. It's like a wedding feast. The marriage of the Lamb of God with the people of God. And he calls the church his bride. And some of you all have been calling the church all kinds of things other than the bride of Christ. It is the very bride of Christ. Listen, as a pastor, you know, you get to be a part of many weddings and and I, I love weddings. And, and listen, I've seen, I've seen some of you in this room drop a whole lot of time, talent, and treasure on a wedding. Yes? And, and the whole planning, and they're expensive, and it's a big deal. And it should be a big That's a good thing. It should be a big deal. And why is it? Because ultimately, it's the image of Christ and his people coming together. We need to have a high view of the church. Why? Because our God has a high view of the church. And he's given us a picture here on earth to see how beautiful it is. And it's a wedding. It's the Lamb of God coming together with the people of God. Verse 8, And it was granted to her to clothe herself in the fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So here, as we, as we get ready for this day where our faith becomes sight, what's the goal? The goal is that we begin to grow to be more like Jesus as believers, and we're clothing ourselves and walking in righteousness as He is a righteous Savior. And the back end of this sermon is about that. How do we begin to clothe ourselves in righteousness? It's by living out the one another's in community which we'll get to, right? 
And then the angel said to me, and I love this, like the angel looks at John, the apostle says, write this down. Like, don't miss this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. He's saying, the true word, this is like the greatest moment in redemptive history. Write it down. The people that are invited to, to see God face to face in Christ. And most of us, man, when we look at the church, we think organization and we think money and we think hypocrites. And we should be thinking it is the bride of Christ. We should be wowed by the church. Why? Because the church is people. It's the person sitting next to you. We'll just let the sound of freedom go by, and then we'll continue with this sermon. Um, what in the world? Are, <laughs> you Air Force people, what's going on? Do you, anybody here know? Like, just All right, here we go. It's great. It's fantastic. We're, God has left us here. For a purpose, though, right? I hope you understand that. Like we, the, the church is the people, but we're or, we link arms together for the purpose of the spreading of the gospel. Why doesn't God, when we become Christians, just take us to heaven and we have this wedding feast? Because He's left us here on purpose. It's the spreading of the gospel. In fact, Ver, Revelation. I had. I think I had. I, I don't know if this is in your bulletin. I had it wrong on the slide earlier, but it's actually Revelation 22, verse 17. When we speak of purpose, Revelation then gives us the purpose. What, why? Why are we left here as a people of God to link arms together? Well, it's for the purpose of the spreading of the gospel. Revelation 22:17 says, "The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who, is, who desires to take the water of life without price. What? Why did God leave his church here on earth for this season until our faith becomes sight? It's so that the church and the spirit can invite people to feast on Christ, to drink deeply from the water of life. We are here with this. this and here we are in Revelation. It's kind of the purpose statement that sums up what God is doing in redemptive history. And it's written one more time before the close of the canon. It's one final reminder of the purposes of God. And the purposes are an invitation to the world to come drink deeply from the water of life. That's why we're here together. It's why we partner together. It's why we grow in righteousness and holiness so that we, we, it expands our influence and opportunity to invite people to Christ. And this idea of the water of life, we saw this in John chapter 4, right? We saw this this past fall when we went through our evangelism series. It's Jesus with the woman at the well. And, and I think Pastor Joey preached on this and in John chapter 4 where Jesus is talking to this woman at the well. She's drawing water out of, a, out of a well. And he basically says, if you drink from that well, verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so John, knowing this story, right, knowing this interaction, he now says, hey, listen, the spirit, we, the church, are left here on earth, the spirit of God and the bride of Christ invite people into relationship with God Almighty through the gospel of Christ. And it's the spirit of God 
and it's the bride of Christ that work together. This is a fascinating mystery to me, by the way. I could preach an entire sermon on the sovereignty of God over salvation, that God does it all from beginning to end. And I could preach an equal entire sermon about how you're here to be a part of what God is doing. How does God invite people to himself? It's through the church. It's you and I. It's why we just did a whole evangelism series. It's not an either or. It's not even 50-50. The means of grace with which the Spirit uses to draw people to God the Father is the local church. Okay? We have a role to play, and I, I could take you through some passages. I'm, for the sake of time, uh, I'm going to skip over these next two verses, but it's, it's an effort. Uh, it's not a 50-50 combined effort, but it's the means of grace that God uses that the local church stewards the gospel of Jesus Christ and invites people and the Spirit, this is the means that the Spirit uses. why we just did a whole evangelism series. God is going to save His people. We get to be a part of it. Isn't that great? See, awesome. He doesn't have another plan to reach the world for Jesus Christ. You and I are it. And so many times when we get our feelings hurt in the church and we forget what the greater purposes are. There's a lost and dying world, and we can't get along with one another, and therefore we don't get along with one another, and we are not furthering the gospel. And it concerns me. And we, we need a revival in our culture, yes? Anybody agree? And, and we're not going to have it until we get along, until we repent of sin, until we have a high view of the church, Christians. That's where it begins. So I want to I start your new year with a heightened view of the church. I want you to see the church the way God sees it. It's, it's the people that make up the church. The, uh, God sees the church as his bride. And so that means we have to have a high view of one another as believers. The church is a place where we have genuine community, that we serve together for the cause of the gospel, where we care for one another for the cause of the gospel. Listen, one of the things that, and I know maybe you're feeling preached at, and I don't want to completely do that this morning, um, because one of the things that I love about Coastal, whenever people come up to me and they're like, man, Coastal, good things happen in there. I mean, here's what I always say. It's because it's filled with amazing Christian people. I, I say that all the time. I see people, some of you, all of you that are members here, that you use your time, your talent, your treasure, man, to serve the Lord and and I see what God is doing to multiply the effectiveness of the gospel in the community and hopefully around the world. And I'm just awed. And I'm so thankful. But we have to have a high view of the church. And now I'm going to transition to some New Testament commands. Listen, there are New Testament commands for believers that you cannot carry out unless you're committed to a local church. If I were to take you through the New Testament, there's 59 one another commands. What you, how the gospel is lived out in our community in one another. 59 of them. I, I want to present you with three, and, and here's my purpose. My purpose is that you will see the beauty of the church. You will see what I'm about to present is clothing ourselves in righteousness, Revelation 19, right? Preparing ourselves for the wedding feast. The beauty of the church is the place where the gospel transforms us in such a way that we can love one another. Okay, that's the first one. We, we're called to love one another. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 says this, and, and, and the Apostle Paul covers the bulk of the one another's, right? In Romans 12, he says, let love be genuine. 
abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. I want you to think about that for a minute. Paul says we should be outdoing each other and honoring one another. Paul says we should have genuine love for one another. The Apostle John writes in 1 John, he says, whoever says he's in the light, meaning as a Christian, and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in light. In him there is no cause for stumbling. I don't know how you can interpret this otherwise, but to say that if you're a genuine believer, a reflection of genuine salvation is that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes? We have love for one another. That's why why I'm I'm so passionate for the local church. That's why I'm so passionate for you to commit yourself to a local church. I I don't know how you show genuine love for other people unless you're genuinely committed to other people. We have, here's what I say about church membership. It doesn't make you a Christian. It's committing yourself to the people that are committed to Christ. I'll say that again. Church membership is about committing yourself to the people that are committed to Christ. Paul says, outdo one another with honor. He taught, appreciate and admire. I, every time I, I write a sermon like this, <clears throat> one of the things that just comes to my mind, I, I Having raised three children, I now have one. My oldest son's 20, my uh, middle son is 18, and my youngest is 12. And, and I, I'm so thankful for the community of believers. Every single one of my children has had mentors in this church that were not me. I'm part of it. I, obviously, I'm responsible for their discipleship, okay, as a father. But, but to watch other people surround my kids and Take them out to coffee and invest in them and take them out to fun stuff. And, and like, I, I think about the people that aren't committed to their local church. I'm like, they miss out on that. Like, who's speaking into their life? I'm afraid it's probably just American social media culture that's speaking in their life. Or, or Hollywood, like, you, you better have more than that speaking into your kids' lives. I'm just so grateful for this local church and the men and women that have invested even in my own children. I, we, we need to, and, and I want to I call some of these people out by name right now from the pulpit so that I appreciate and honor and admire them. So here's your homework assignment, right? Here's your homework assignment. Could you imagine if Coastal became a culture where we outdid one another in honor and appreciation? Listen, I know there's problems. This church has problems. This church has problems. Every church has problems because there's people in it. Okay, so just stop with that. But imagine if that, instead of that being the culture, our culture was we're going to outdo each other in honoring and appreciation. Right. So here's the homework assignment: go out the doors today and honor and appreciate someone that's serving in this church. Right? Did you enjoy your coffee? Go appreciate the coffee, folks. Man, they get here early and they stay late. Go appreciate the parking attendants that when I preach long, they got to figure out how to get your car in the parking lot, right? It's not easy for them. And, and when I go on and on like I'm going on now, like they don't know how to do it. So thank them, okay? You're, the ki- people that are watching your children, the security team that's missing the services so they can just make sure we're safe while we're meeting here. Like the, find some people that have invested in you or in your children and, 
and your family and just say, you know what, I appreciate you and I want to thank you for giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Let's outdo one another in loving. And I can't imagine if we became that culture, if that was kind of the DNA of Coastal, can you imagine what, what the world around us would say? I want to be a part of that. How, how do I be a part of that, man? We get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, yes? Let's love one another. Number, two, number three, third point, number two on the one another's practical way of having a high view of God's church is to serve one another. You're here to serve one another. Galatians 5, 13, the apostle Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself so the first thing paul says here is like uh, the gospel frees us from sin but it's not just so that i can like attend on sunday morning and go home right I, man i know jesus i worship corporately it's great i am one of my favorite songs i was belting it out Sermon wasn't so great today. Preacher probably stayed up a little too late last night watching his favorite football team lose. And so, uh, <clears throat> and so, you know, didn't really meet me where I was today, and we leave. Like, that's not why we're freed up from sin, okay? We're freed up from our sin to serve others. Now, listen. How do I say this? I want to say this gently, okay? Um, one of the things that I feel the weight of week in and week out is, and, we, and, and I hope you'll do this. I, I'm not telling you not to do this, man. We, I'd say use these tear-offs as a prayer request, and, and it's being effective, and our prayer list is getting bigger every week, and I'm so thankful you guys are making use of it, and myself, the pastors, the elders get it, the prayer team gets it. We pray over these. I try, I try every week, if I can, to pray over every single one of the prayer requests, and, um, and, and, but I feel the burdens. That's, that's what I'm saying. I feel the burdens. Like, man, you come in, and it's heavy, and life's hard. And, and what can happen is, man, you walk in here with only blinders for my burdens, like individually. Like, man, I got these burdens. I'm heavy, heavy, heavy. And, and, and I do that sometimes too, right? Man, the church here to serve me, not serve me. And I'm like, yeah, 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 right? And, but I want to encourage you, we're freed up in the gospel, and we know that God, our Father, we can always go to Him with our burdens, right? And here's our prayers. And so when we come in here, we should be freed up to serve, right? So sometimes we've got to take the blinders off. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's got things. And, and when we take our blinders off and we serve others, somehow in that there's this mysterious thing that God fills us. Even though we have burdens, as we serve, God fills us. I don't know how that works exactly, but I think it's why we're called to serve one another, right? Because for a few, few, few brief moments, we, we forget about us and we think about others, right? And, and you find out other people have needs and, and to serve. And we have to take the blinders off. We have to, because the gospel has freed us to serve. And so sometimes I think we come in and we're like, I didn't get anything out of it. And it's because you didn't bring anything to give to it. We should be walking in, and I'm not just talking corporate worship, that's part of it, but small groups and all throughout the week and serving in our local church so that it's effective for the gospel. Did I bring anything to give? And, and I was thinking about, as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking about, man, what was, in my, you know, I've been the pastor here for um, probably almost 18 years, I think, and so um, I was thinking about what was, in my mind, the best service we'd ever done as I was preparing this, the best corporate worship. And, and for me, the best, my favorite service in my mind. It's so hard because we've had so many great ones, and you know, including today. And so, um, you know, the best one in my mind was the week, and not everybody here will remember this, but it was the week that we um, 
when we were at the old building and we had to in one serve, the bank had requested that we raise in one service or in a short amount of time $300,000 so we could purchase this property. And they just wanted to see that we were financially able to handle this location. And so and we did like a six-week series or eight-week series and we prayed and we all geared up for that one service. You all remember that? That we're part of that? And we brought our, our, our tithes. We actually did the offering where we brought it forward, right? And, and so usually for my family, I give online. When I get paid, I give 10% of the first of the gross right off the top, give it to Coastal Community Church, and then hopefully the Lord allows us to be generous in other places. But that particular week, and I've told you this guys this story before, that um, my wife and I, as we prayed, we felt like God was telling us to empty our bank account and bring everything in the bank account to this service. And so, and, and so that particular week, we wrote a check, right? And Because we just wanted to bring something physical. And so, you know, and so I, my family didn't come till the third service, and I couldn't wait. It was crazy, Right? It was crazy, and you guys did too. It was crazy, like, who gets excited about giving their money away, right? Christians, because they love the church, amen? And I sat there through the first service, I'm like, I can't wait for my wife to get here, and the kids, I can't wait to do this, we've been praying about it, and second service, I couldn't wait, but the third service, I was like, man, when it's time to do that, I about burst up front for the offering, I couldn't wait. Who does that? No one but Christians that are fired up about their local church, Yes? And you guys did that too, and it was incredible. It was incredible, and it was, that was probably my favorite service. Why? Because I think we came to give. We came to bring something. We came to serve for the cause of the gospel. And we're freed up, the one another, we're freed up to serve and to bring. And, 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 the reason, and what we're to bring is, is, part of what we're to bring is our spiritual gifts, right? You have a spiritual gift to bring and to serve others. First Peter 4 says, as each of you has received a gift... Use it to serve one another. Now, this is very important, right? Serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Part of the grace of God is the spiritual gift that you've been given to serve the body of Jesus Christ. You're uniquely designed. You're, you're placed in a specific time period on planet Earth that nobody else has ever... You have a a backstory, a history that nobody else that's ever walked the exact same backstory. And, and God's placed you here, and he's gifted you with a spiritual gift, and he's given you some talents, and he's given you some stewarding, some treasures to resource for the good of the gospel. You have a part to play in serving in the ministry and the mission of your local church with your gifting, your time, your talents, your passions, your treasure. And we, do, and we do this when we link arms together, we serve one another, and we serve together for the glory of God and for the fame of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We serve one another. This is a high view of the church. Finally, this morning, I want to show you one more one another. This is the community aspect of church. We bear one another's burdens. We bear with one another. Galatians chapter 6 Verse 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul says, brothers. And by the way, he's talking to Christians here, okay? Because he starts off with brothers. He said, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So a couple things here when bearing with one another. Number one, we are to help one another walk the path of righteousness. In other words, as Christians, we, we can 
be blinded by our own sin. And there is a self-awareness piece. I could, I could go to 1 Timothy where Paul tells Timothy, keep watch over your soul. Like there's a, person, a little bit of self-awareness to sin, but there's also a community awareness to sin. That, that, that there, uh, because the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. So real community is if someone, if you see a brother or sister who claims to be a Christian and they're, instead of walking the path of righteousness, they're beginning to walk the path of sin, we're fearful. Man, you might be on the path of death. We don't want you on the path of death. We want you on the path of life. And so it's not like, and he says gentleness. It's not like we're here to beat you up, but man, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. And that, so part of our community, part of our membership, and we talk about this in our membership classes, is the church discipline that we do, Matthew 18, at Coastal Community Church, that if a brother's caught in sin, we go one-on-one and say, hey, I'm concerned. I, um, this is a story that I didn't ask permission to tell. I told it last service. The person I told it on didn't yell at me, so I'll tell it again. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> but a couple months, probably about six or eight months ago, I had one of our elders at Coastal come up to me, and they said, um, Pastor Sean, do you, do, you, do you ever take your wedding ring off? I'm like, never, never. I never in 20, I, once in a while I take it off, spin it on the desk, but I've never really, like, like never. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm a, like 100% sure. I, ne- I never take my wedding ring off. He said, because you're not wearing your wedding ring on the picture of you preaching on the webpage. And I'm like, Never. I've never, like, I just kept, like, I've never done that. And he's like, I'm, let me see it. And so we pull up the picture on the web page. And I look at my right hand. And I'm like, there's no ring on my, like, I was like, I, I, I was, there's a picture like this. And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm sorry, I look at my left hand. I have it wrong. You guys are like, East. I looked at my left hand. Here's why I said that. I looked a little closer and I'm like, wait a minute, the ring's on my right hand, on the picture. And so it was on my right hand. And so I went to the communications department. Now, those of you who are in the IT world, you already know I'm an idiot, right? But I, and the IT department's like, oh, we did it. We took a picture. We did a thing called mirroring, and we just flip-flopped it. I'm like, well, pen in the pin ring on the right hand, you know? And, and, but here's why, here's why that story's important. The elders of Coastal Community Church want to make sure that your pastor is above reproach. And that he's not a guy that's flirtatious and would be willing to not let people know that he's married when he says he's married. And I told him, man, I appreciated that. I said, you ask any questions you want about, you know, my character and my integrity. I want that kind of accountability. And so should you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You should have a healthy fear of sin. Says, you know, there's no, by God's grace, by God's grace, I'm going to walk the path of righteousness. But I also know, in my own sinful flesh, there's nothing that I'm above, and so I want to be accountable to other brothers and sisters in Christ. You should want that for you. And your your elders, by the way, they're not so wowed by your pastor that they won't ask tough questions, and that should give you a sense of security if this is where your membership is. But you should want that for yourself. Bear with one another, right? Authentic community also helps us carry one another's burdens. The idea is literally to endure with others, right? When we talk with someone, 
it's so if we're confronting a sin, it's not just to confront sins. Our responsibility to help pick them up, pick up, and walk with the person as well if they need help, right? I uh, saw two stories yesterday on the news that um, were fascinating to me, and had to, it revolved around the government shutdown. And the one of them was uh, that there were some some men and women not receiving checks right now, they're maybe struggling to pay their mortgage. And um, I thought about that, and I thought about some of the men and women in our church body, right? Some of you have some, some men and women in your small group that maybe aren't receiving a check, and I'll tell you what your small group needs to do. You need to ask them this week, do you need help? Are you okay? Is, you know, do we need to help get you through? Is there just a season, you know? And, and the government will reopen maybe and uh, <clears throat> and they'll pay you back or whatever but just see what they need help right I, 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 I as I thought about it I asked one of our small group people they, I didn't know they weren't getting a check they told me I said oh does Coastal need to help you we need to help what do we need to do and they said no we're good right now but I said listen if, if it gets later that's what a church should do the second story I heard was with the government shutdown there was a funding that's drying up for for a feeding program for people who don't have food. And this, this news story was all worked up about what happens if these people don't have food. And you know what I said? We'll do it. Coastal community, I'll tell you what, government, I'll let you off the hook. Give us our tax dollars back and let Coastal do it, right? We'll do a better job anyway, all right? So listen, if this government shutdown lasts for years and 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 this program dries up, Coastal Community Church is going to step in the gap in this community and say, you need, you need, to, you need food, we'll feed you. Yes? Okay? And, when, and it's not just that our, our goal is not to just fill the hungry belly. Our goal is so that you'll be, be able to introduce you to the gospel of Jesus Christ, your real need. Okay? And so, and so we meet one another's need. And when we do that, Paul says we fulfill the law of Christ. And by the way, what's the law of Christ? Matthew 22. Jesus said, Teacher, which is, the greatest command, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And, the sec- and this is the great and first commandment. And the second is just like it, which is to love your neighbor and yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and all the prophets. So when we bear with one another, when we encourage one another towards righteousness, towards worshiping God, when we help out our neighbors, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Now I've been, uh, I've been I'll finish with this and we'll pray and get you guys out of here. <clears throat> I've been married for almost 25 years. 24 years, 25th anniversary is coming up this, this, uh, um, uh, this, when are we, when are we married? September, this September. Um, I hope my wife's not coming to the 11 o'clock service. Um, and there's a, I lo- uh, being married that long, there's a great sense of familiarity, right? And I love familiarity. And that familiarity with one another, I mean, we know everything about each other, and, you know, we don't have to have you know, tons of conversation about, so tell me about your family. Like, I know them, okay? Like, I got it. It's your dad. It's your mom, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, but in that, there's an con- incredible sense of security and happiness in that kind of fam- long-term familiarity. But it can also lead to complacency, Right? 
where maybe we're not as caring or as honoring as we should be. I read this uh, illustration from a book out of the Dennis and Barbara Rainey on marriage, and they said they, they did the five different stages of when your spouse, when you're married, has a cold uh, when they're sick. I said in the first year when your spouse gets sick, you look at your spouse and say, baby, I'm so worried about that sniffle, so here's what I've done. I've called the paramedics, and they're going to general. And I want you to stay there all week, and I know you hate hospital food, so I'm going to have gourmet meals brought in. That's, that's what happens the first year when your spouse is sick. The second year that your spouse is sick, you say something like this. You're like, sweetie, um, I don't like the sound of that cough, so I've arranged for the doctor to make a house call. And uh, so I'm going to tuck you into bed, and you wait here till the doctor gets here. The third year of marriage, when the spouse gets sick, you look at them and say, man, you know what? You look like you've got a fever, so... Um, why don't you drive yourself over to MedExpress and get some medicine while I watch the kids? Um, <clears throat> the fourth year of marriage, when your spouse gets sick, you say something like this. You know what? You don't look so great, so why don't you be sensible? And after you fed and bathed the kids and washed the dishes, why don't you go to bed early? And, <clears throat> and then by the fifth year of marriage, it goes something like this. For Pete's sake, do you have to cough so loud? I can't hear the TV. <clears throat> You know, would you mind going in the other room while my show is on? You're in there barking like a dog. And so, uh, so there's the danger of familiarity, right, and, 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 and how that does. And so if you've been around the church for any length of time, man, it's, it's, it's easy in your familiarity to be blinded to its beauty, okay? Its beauty. That God calls it his bride. So here, I'm gonna, it's going to get really weird for a moment. Ready? Look around. Look around the room. I'm not talking about the building. Look at the building's an old grocery store. You're probably sitting in a bread aisle. Okay, so look around the room. Look around the room. These are people, man. These are people. These are people that have linked arms together, pulled their time, their talent, and their treasure to help spread the gospel. And so when you look around the room, I want you to be wowed. There should be some people here that wow you because Christ is in them. They're serving together with you. And the way we do that at Coastal, the way we kind of bracket this is with this thing called membership. Okay, so everybody get your membership sheet out, okay? I just want to, I'm going to run through it. You can read this for yourself, so I'm not going to read it all. We have a process to membership. The first step of the process is we ask you to go to our We Are Coastal class. So if you're not yet a member, man, I hope that you'll consider going to our We Are Coastal class. If you're like, yeah, I'm in, I want to come. Let us know when that tear off on the way. I'll drop it in. February 16th, I think, is our next class. Okay, we'll sign you up. After the class, if you still want to join the church, we have you meet with an elder. And the reason we do that is we want you to meet with one of the shepherds of the church that will help shepherd and guide you through Coastal Community Church. All right? The third thing is at the end of that meeting with the elder, you'll sign your membership commitment. We'll be very thorough what that membership commitment looks like, okay? And then the fourth thing we do, and this is for everybody here that's already a member, we do annual membership renewals. And the way, reason we do that, it's our way of shepherding our current members. So if a member doesn't re-sign their membership commitment, you're going to hear from the leadership of Coastal. And we're going to badger you, okay? But we want to make sure everything's okay. Is there an offense that we need to work through? Is it maybe you just moved and 
you know, we have over 600 members. Maybe we didn't know about that or something. So, so it's our way of reaching out to you and saying, man, we want to make sure our relationship's right. 99% of the time, the person just didn't sign it, okay? And so members, you're going to be getting an e- probably already got an email this week. We're trying to do it electronically this year because as we grow and we're multi-site, paperwork gets lost. And so we're trying to do it electronically. So you, you should get an email. If you didn't get an email, check your spam folder. If it's not in there, call us. We want to make sure we got your email address right because sometimes that happens to me. We don't have the right email address. And so sign up, and then over the next few months, the elders will process any members that don't sign up and say, we'll reach out and say, hey, is there something we need to do to reconcile this relationship? So that's our process. If you're not yet a member, I pray that you would consider being a member so that you understand, man, I am seeing the church of God through Christ as something beautiful, and I want to link arms with others. If you're a member, that's in the email box, okay? Fill that out. Resign, or let us know if you're not resigning and see if we, there's any way we can make amends and have you be a member again, okay? Sound good? I want to heighten your view of the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church, this local body. It's incredible to me to have all these people here this morning. They decided to start their new year coming to Coastal. And um, thankful to each and every one of them is here. And God, I pray that we would leave with a view of your local church that you have of your local church. You loved your church so much. You, you died for it. You shed your blood for it that these people would be redeemed, that they would be bought back, they'd be called out to serve you. I pray, God, for the one in this room that feels lonely and lost. I pray that they would join our church and join a small group and know the beauty of community and small group and care for one another. I pray for the one that has a need, that they would be a part of our church body and we could bear with one another and meet one another's needs. I pray for the one that's caught in sin this morning, that they would leave here today convicted of sin and, and repent of their sin. They would find a brother or a sister in Christ that they could confess their sin to and say, hey, I want you to walk with me so that I can know the freedom of walking on the path of life and the path of righteousness. I pray for the one that doesn't yet even know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would be <clears throat> strangely attracted to what you're doing here at Coastal Community Church. By the power of your spirit and the preached word of God, they would know how to drink deeply from the water of life, which is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for what we're doing. We ask for a great awakening, a great revival in our culture. God, I pray that you would start with your churches, Lord. I pray that you, the churches that have been calling sin righteousness, that they would repent, that the leaders of those churches would read your word, acknowledge it, and repent, God, that the gospel would go forward. Father, I pray for the pastors that are leading our churches. I pray for holiness and righteousness in our leadership, God, that these can be men that can be trusted, that they are first Timothy three men. They were men of character, men that we know that their yes is a yes, and that they can be trusted to lead our churches, God. I pray for the members of this church, God. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you'll bless them so that they can use their time, their talent, and their treasure for the good of the gospel. That at the end of the day, the most important thing is that Jesus is lifted up, and he is made famous on our peninsula and all around the world for the glory of God. Thank you for loving us so much that you would save us. Thank you for allowing the church to house and steward this incredible message that we get to drawing all men unto himself and so unto yourself and so thank you for letting us be a part of it and it's in Jesus name I pray amen